This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. The teaching time today, we're going to go back and we're going to look at the Psalm passage, Psalm 30, and we're going to also look at Revelation chapter 5. Psalm 30 begins... I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. Now, this psalm was recited at the occasion of David dedicating his house or his palace, depending on how you want to look at it. But here's a reality that we may need to take note of. Since the psalm was at the occasion of the dedication of his house, David says, I will praise the Lord. So what that means is, David was giving credit to God for him being able to have that really nice house or palace, if you will. Now, it says, for you have drawn me up. This explains the core reason for David's praise. He knew that his security and his status were the work of God. It wasn't as if God did all of this himself and as David sat passively just letting it happen. David was a man of energy and action. Nevertheless, it was God's work far more than his own. Now, a professor from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and the expert of Old Testament and Semitic languages, Willem van Gimmeren wrote about this. The verbal phrase, you lifted me, is a metaphorical usage of a verb meaning to draw up out of the water. And if you need a reference for that, it's from Exodus 2, verse 16, where they found Moses and picked him up out of the river. Like a bucket that was lowered down in a well and then raised to draw water up, so the Lord pulled the psalmist out of the grips of Sheol. And we can only imagine what that would have been for. And Spurgeon says about this, Grace has uplifted us from the pit of hell, from the ditch of sin, from the slough of despond, from the bed of sickness, from the bondage of doubts and fears. Have we no song to offer for all of this? What Spurgeon means by that is if we think about all the things that God has rescued us from, we should be praising the Lord. Amen? Amen. So, let's move on. He says, you've not let my foes rejoice over me. That's another thing that David is pretty well thankful for because since he was king, you can imagine that David had plenty of enemies. People who were still dedicated to Saul for some reason or people who were just opposed to David being king or just had a burr in their saddle about the fact that David was on the throne of Israel and just didn't like that. So they were against him. But here David gives credit for the God who answers prayer because God had prevented any of his foes from being against him or having success against him. And in verse 2, God answered him. 
because it says, O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Now, in verse 4, David is insisting or encouraging everyone to praise the Lord and give thanks to the Lord himself. Paul reflects on that in Philippians chapter 4, where he says, In everything give thanks. By prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. So, we are admonished here to praise God for all the blessings that we actually have. The things that we can count that are our blessings. Like a place to live, a car to drive that runs. It's not a rust bucket. That we have food to eat still. And we're, we have doctors we can go to if we need to. Prayerfully, we won't need to do that very much. But we have lots to be thankful for. And David is reminding us of that in his encouragement for all of us to join in and praise the Lord. Verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. We all know that verse pretty well because it's in several praise choruses that we sing here. Now, we'll talk more, a little bit more about that later too. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Now, this is a problem because we are also pretty prideful, aren't we? And we, in some cases, are prideful enough to believe that whatever we have we did it. Now, and it, it, we, he says, I shall never be moved. That means he's not going to panic. But wait a minute. Let's remember two years ago. Everybody remember that? Massive COVID cases, COVID lockdowns, riots. As I remember correctly from a news report, in the rioting that went on in Minneapolis, there were about a thousand buildings destroyed because of that. And then we had the threat of the murder hornets. Remember that? So we had all of those things going on. Now, and forest fires, I shouldn't leave that out. But now, what we have here is a shrinking economy. And we have high prices for things, Right? I was at a gas station in Tewksbury, and the price for premium was $4.89 for premium gas. So prices have gone up. And if you've been going to the grocery store much, which I assume most of us have, since we're all still eating, you would probably notice that almost everything in the store has had a 20 to 30% price increase. So, what this tells us is this. The same thing that David discovered that we read about in verse 7. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountains stand strong. So what does that mean? It means that God is the reason we're still able to stand in this lifetime. God is the reason that we have all of these provisions and if we left it to our own devices, 
we would be back in a situation back like 2020 or, well, right now for that matter, because things don't look so hot, do they? But we have a God who the last time I heard hasn't run out of money and hasn't run out of food and the cattle on a thousand hills still belong to him. So he can provide. Amen? Amen. All right, verses 8 and 9. Maybe David was ill. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for, plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? What scholars say here is that David was probably ill enough to where he almost was on death's doorstep and that God healed him. And that verse is a little more personal for me right now, by the way. But God did the healing and he raised him up. And David was still able to do his thing as king. In verse 10, you look at that, it says, Here, O Lord, be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. This should also be our prayer. Lord, be merciful to me. And Lord, be my helper. Not that we think that we're going to do our own thing and God's just kind of there as a sidebar to help us out occasionally. When we pray that prayer, we're saying that God is going to lead us and direct us or that we want God to lead us and direct us where he wants us to go and that he will lift us up if we fall down or have a problem or the other. Now, verse 11. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This goes with verse 5b. If we go back there, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And O Lord, you've turned my mourning into dancing, taken me from sadness to gladness. And the dedication of his house was indeed a happy event. And then at the same time in this verse, David is remembering the times that God brought him from sadness to joy. And then verse 12, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And let's do the same. We sing and praise and give thanks to him forever. Because I think we owe him quite a bit, don't we? Now let's very briefly go look at the Revelation passage. That one goes. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Now if we go back a little bit to verse 9, they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to God, and they shall reign on the earth. Think about this. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, and I believe that's the chorus they're singing there in verse 12. But then I looked and heard the voice of many 
angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And by the way, that's what myriad means is 10,000. So we're talking about not just a battalion. We're talking about several divisions of angels and elders praising and singing praises to God. The angels and the elders fell down before the Lamb together in chapter 5, verse 8. Yet it seems that only the elders sang the song of the redeemed at that time, because in no place does the Bible tell us of the redemption of angels. It doesn't. Then the voice of many angels around the throne rose up with the praise of the great Redeemer. Revelation 4, 9 through 10, the angels prompted the elders into worship. Here, the elders prompt the angels to worship. It is a wonderful cycle in heaven with the angels and elders encouraging each other to more and more praise. And I have a little note here says, if you're looking for heaven to be a nice, quiet place where you just kind of float on the cloud playing your little harps, you're not going to get that. Because what we're going to get in heaven is the angels and the elders singing praises before the throne with all those many thousands and thousands of people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and group and family praising God, singing. And it, heaven is more likely to resemble Psalm 150. Remember that? Where praise the Lord on the cymbals and the loud clanging cymbals. Let everyone that has breath praise the Lord. That's what's going to be happening up there. So, Get used to it. Let's have some practice down here singing the worship songs while we're in church so we can be ready for that time when we get up there and we're joining that heavenly chorus of thousands upon thousands and literally probably millions of angels and saints, the people who've been martyred for the Lord and the people who've just gone on before us. They're all going to be up there looking at the throne Dazzled by the sight of being able to look directly into the face of the Lord Jesus, praising him for their redemption, praising him from, for rescuing them from whatever. And just because he's worthy of the praise, praising him. Are we getting a hint there? That there's going to be some joyful singing up there. So if you don't like singing, you need to change your tune. Now. Think about this. There are people there from every family, tribe, tongue, and nation. What does this tell us? That heaven has everybody. And it also means, if we want to get really serious about it, that in the church, there's no place for racism. Martin Luther King Jr. said at one time, if this is supposed to be a Christian nation, why is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning the most segregated time? We need to be willing to get rid of all that stuff and just praise with our brothers and sisters in Christ from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Amen? To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. Catch that word forever. So there's going to be a lot of singing and it's going to go on and on and on. But I think maybe because we're in our glorified state up there in heaven, 
we're not going to notice how long it takes because we're going to have a new perspective, aren't we? In our glorified bodies, we're going to have more of the perspective of the Lord than of our own from our human limitations down here. We're just going to be so glad to be there and to be standing there looking in the face of our Lord, adoring Him and praising Him for what He did for us before He died. That is amazing love, selfless love. He went through all of that for us. And so the least we can do is give Him thanks. And that's what we will be doing forever. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your power for living.